And we'll notice in Genesis, the first chapter, and in the 28th verse, and we're talking about what kind of life? We're talking about the blessed life. Amen? The blessings of the Lord be upon you. Blessings in the name of the Lord. Glory to God. In Genesis 1.28, we notice this verse of Scripture. It says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. And so we see that the blessing of God was upon Adam from the very beginning. And the blessing of the Lord never changes because he is a God who does not change. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you are living the blessed life, here's what happens. The favor of the Lord is on your life. And the provision of the Lord is flowing through your life. And God's will is being done in your life. You know, generosity is a huge thing. When we're operating and living in the blessed life, we must operate in thanksgiving and in being generous. I love this definition for generosity. It is the liberality of giving, of loving, of caring, of sharing, and helping others through money, time, words, influence, forgiveness, affection, attention, resources, and talents. One thing I know for sure about generosity, generosity overcomes selfishness, stinginess, pride, lack, covetousness, and even depression. Generous people are thankful people. Do we have any thankful people in church this morning? Amen. Not thankful about what we don't have, but thankful about what we do have and willing to share it with others. It's so important that we develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Listen to this statement. When our ability to receive from Him is increased, His involvement in our life becomes more increased. You know, the book of Psalms says this about entering the password. And entering the password is thank you. Making yourselves at home. Talking praise and thanking Him and worshiping Him. Can we just enter the password for about 10 seconds right now and lift up our voice and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We bless you. We magnify Glory to God. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit spoke through me recently and said this, that the spirit of thanksgiving is the door for more. This is a quote I'm going to give you. Uh, by a good friend of mine, Mac Hammond, who pastors a great church in Minneapolis. He said, if you want to cultivate gratefulness, deliberately move your words and your thoughts from what you do not have to what you do have. For you will always have something for which you can be grateful. And so I believe that one of the easiest ways... For us to keep our mind on Him and set upon Him is through thanksgiving. Amen. The psalmist said this in Psalms 103, in verse 1, or Psalms 34, verse 1. He says, I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. No, I'm going to bless Him, the Lord, at all times. His praise and thanksgiving shall what? Continually be in my mouth. Verse 2. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hail thereof and be glad. Now read verse 3 with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with 
Magnify the Lord. When you magnify him, it makes him look bigger. He's already big, but it makes him look bigger and bigger and bigger. When we magnify and glorify the Lord, we give him more place in our life. I have this little phrase. When you give him glory, you give him place. You give him access into your life. The Bible says that when we praise God, that he inhabits those praise. The word inhabits means he settles down, he dwells in. In other words, he gets right in the middle of our business. Now, we just don't want anyone in our business, but we want God all over our business, do we not? Amen. So give glory and give place to God. And so a generous soul stems from a grateful heart. And as it relates to giving, God is looking for cheerful givers. He's looking for people that are happy about their giving. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And of course, this is the amplified version. But it says, God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things. This is pretty big. And is not willing to abandon or to do without what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. Amen. A prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Amen. You know, oftentimes in churches across the land, not so much here, because we know how to give cheerfully, but oftentimes when it's offering time, it gets the quietest time of the service. I wonder why people don't get happier. I think one of the reasons why is they feel a sense of loss. They look at offering time as subtraction rather than positioning for harvest. And what God says, he said, I'm going to multiply your seed sown. In 2 Corinthians 9, 10, it says, And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing, and he will increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Now, when we give and when we sow as a church to missionaries, when we sow and as we give for the cause of Christ, in verse 11 it says, it will cause much thanksgiving. Notice this with me. Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way. So that you can be, everyone say it. And by your generosity as it is, administered by us, will bring forth what? It'll bring forth thanksgiving to God. And so I want to encourage you, later on when we receive the offering, I want to encourage you to bring your tithes, to bring your seed with an expectation for provision and increase in your life. Amen. We must give with the promises of God in mind. I am a firm believer that you can give your way out of debt right on in to abundance. If you're in lack, don't worry about it. God will provide you the seed to sow. And as you sow it, you can trust him to multiply your seed sowed. Amen. Amen. Here's the truth about the seed. The seed is guaranteed. Your seed has a return address on it. 
One thing about seed is, and one thing about harvest is, harvest never gets confused. You know, when you plant wheat, what are you going to get? You're going to get wheat. When you sow of your finances into the kingdom of God out of a pure heart, seeking Him first, a man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. We are those who are not deceived. We are not God mockers in this house. Amen. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, how many of you know with God, payday is not always on the first? And it's not always on the 15th. But God's paydays always come. And I love this verse in Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. It says, There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it tends to poverty. Now notice this next part. It says that the generous soul will be made rich. Generosity begins in your heart. It begins in your mind. And he who waters, guess what will happen? He will also be watered as well. Now notice with me, the key word in here is generous. Now it does not say that the person didn't give. It says that they withhold more than is appropriate or they withhold more than what is right. And so some people think that, you know, if I withhold money, I'd have more money. But the exact opposite is true. If you hold on too tightly to your money, you'll have less money. Because there's a thief out there who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. In First, Second Corinthians 9, 6, it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap what? He shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully she's going to reap bountifully. Now, I like what Young said. Young says, He who sows in blessings, in blessings shall he also reap. So lack really does not come from what you don't have. It comes from the money you do have that you should not have. That you should be sowing. You see, God's sowing system will always outperform your saving system. Now, are you against savings account? Absolutely not. Are you against retirement accounts? Absolutely not. I highly suggest that you do it. But don't put your confidence in that. Don't put your trust in that. You see, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but who are we going to remember? We're going to remember the name of the Lord our God. One of the greatest preachers of all time, John Wesley, said this. It's not how much money will I give to God, but how much of God's money will I keep for myself? And Frank said this. No one has ever become poor by giving. So your generosity, our generosity as a church, is a way that God brings increase into our lives. You can literally give your way right out of debt. Your tithing and your sowing will open supernatural resources into your life. You know, a lot of people, I mean, they just have wrong ideas about money. You know, I heard the story about a guy 
who told his wife, I'm going to be the first man who died that took every, every bit of money with me, that I have with me. He says, as a matter of fact, I've put it in the attic. It's up there in the attic. And when I die, it's going with me. Well, he died. And she climbed up there in the attic. <laughs> and guess what? It was still there. And she said, hmm, I guess she should have put it in the basement. <laughs> so he could get it on the way down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny story. But it shows us how many people have wrong ideas about money. You see, God pays attention to our giving. You want to hear another joke? I thought you might. Well, this guy was not feeling very well. He was getting a little older and, you know, he went to the doctor and, and uh, the doctor gave him some advice exactly what to do. And, and so he took his advice and a few months later, he's walking in a park and this guy's 92 years old and the doctor sees him and he's holding hands with this beautiful young lady. And the doctor was amazed and he walked up to him and said, he says, man, he says, you look great. What's happened to you? The older gentleman said, well, I took your advice. You told me to get a hot mama and be cheerful. The doctor just shook his head and said, no, I told you, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so God loves a cheerful giver. And he loves cheerful livers. Amen. <laughs> You're never too old to start giving. <laughs> now the cool thing about giving is it gets God's attention. It really does. He pays attention to every offering, every time. He watches. I can just imagine sometimes, you know, he stands there and he's going, hmm. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, I think some, you know how in airports, you know, they have these, uh, these things where you go through and it goes, if you have metal on it, beep, 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 beep. I think in church we ought to have one of those. It's a, a tithing monitor. And when a non-tither walks, they'll go, pew, pew, pew. You may not want to sit next to them. They're a thief, you know. Just having a little fun, guys. It does say, will a man rob God? Moving right along. In Mark chapter 12, our generosity gets the attention of the Lord. In verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow was given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. Even though 
she had less financial ability than the rich people. In Jesus' eyes, she was more generous than anybody there. That means that he gives special attention to generous givers. I just want you to know, you do not have to be a wealthy person to be generous. You don't have to be a wealthy person to get God's attention. Anyone that has a heart to give, God will make sure that it gets in their hand. Anyone can qualify for generosity. And being generous means different amounts to different people. It is possible to be more generous than people that have more money than you do. Selah. It's not about equal gifts, folks. It's about equal sacrifice. And literally, you know, we joke about tithing sometimes, but to be honest with you, tithing is the starting place. The tithe is the first step to honoring God with your money. It is the beginning of generosity. We see this in Malachi, the third chapter, and we notice in verse 10 and verse 11, it says, bring all the tithes, where? Into the store. This is a storehouse, which means if you are getting fed here, by and large, for the most part, this is where your tithes should go. You know, that doesn't mean you can't send an offering to somebody and things like that. But if this is your storehouse, if this is where you're being fed, if this is what resonates with you as a vision in reaching and healing and maturing, this is where your tithe should go. It's the starting place. It's your storehouse. And the reason why all of us bring our tithes into the storehouse so that there may be, may be meat in the house. In other words, that there may be spiritual food in the church. Not just spiritual food that is taking place right now, but spiritual food that is taking place for the youth. Spiritual food that is taking place for the children. Spiritual food that is taking place in many areas of our church and of our ministry. That is the meat that is to be in the house of God. And it is through the tithes of the people that the budgets of the church are met. Amen. Now, in the body of Christ, George Barna did some research about it recently. In the body of Christ, they say that about 3 to 5% of people actually tithe. Just think if that was 50%. Just think if that was 100%. Oh, man, we'd be able to reach out. We'd be able to do the plan of God and the will of God even in a quicker way. And we would hear the trumpet sound. Now, this is not to condemn people, that this is to challenge people. This is to bring us all up. Because God said, when we bring the tithe into his house, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, that I will not open you the windows of heaven. I'm telling you, God's got some windows. He's got some streams of provision. He's got a million ways to get you a million dollars. God ain't poor no more, Oral Roberts said. Amen. Amen. He'll open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be hardly enough room to receive. But that's not all. Verse 11. You got your happy pants on today? 
You got your happy clothes on? How about your dancing shoes? You want to learn how to do the turkey trot? You better come tonight. And he says, and I will rebuke. I will rebuke the devourer. He didn't say for my sake. He said, I'll do it because I love you. Because my hand is upon you. I'll do it for your sake. Glory to God. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast forth her fruit before her time, says the Lord of hosts. How many of you know when your commander in chief rebukes the devourer, the devourer has been rebuked? What this means to us, this takes us to a higher level of protection when he rebukes the devourer. When we give him 10%, here's what happens. We go into partnership with him. And when you're in partnership with him, it is to his advantage to increase you. Why? Because he knows when he increases you, you can be trusted. And that you're going to turn right around and sow that increase right back into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, when you get into covenant relationship with him, he'll take you places you never thought possible that you could go to. I believe thus saith the Lord that God wants to take this church into new levels of blessing so that we can live the blessed life. You know, I heard a story. Here's another story. And this is a true story. A man went to his pastor and he'd been faithful to tithe and all of a sudden, he started getting some real increase into his life. And he went and saw the pastor, and he said, Pastor, you know, I've tithed all my life. And I've got a lot of money now. In fact, I've got so much money, I think that I'll just give a little something here and there. He basically came to tell the pastor that he wasn't even able to give 10% anymore. The pastor said, okay, fine, let's pray before you go. They bowed their head, and here's was his prayer. Lord, I ask you, to reduce my brother's income to the place where he can be able to tithe again. (laughs) I imagine he said, no, 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 cancel that prayer. (laughs) Cancel that prayer. So when we commit to being tithers, it's non-negotiable. 10% of all the money that comes into our hands belongs to the Lord. You know, William Colgate, how many have ever brushed your teeth with Colgate toothpaste? He founded the Colgate Shaving Cream and Toothpaste Company. He started tithing when he was a young man. He began to tithe on 10%, then 20%. Then he got up to 40%. And then he got to 50%. Eventually, he saved enough money to live on so that he could give God all of his income. John D. Rockefeller, you ever heard of him? He was an American oil industry business industrialist and philanthropist. He began tithing at eight years old. He said, I tithe on every dollar that God entrusted to me. And listen to this quote. I want to say to you that I could never have tithed on my first million if I had not tithed on my first salary, $1.50 a week. 
He is widely considered one of the most wealthiest Americans of all time. Folks, you can tithe on what you make or you can tithe on what you want to make. And really, you haven't really sown seed until you've tithed. Because the tithe belongs to the Lord. And when you tithe, He opens the windows of heaven. And He begins to pour out greater blessings on you. And when those greater blessings are on your life, you'll be in a position to give way beyond 10%. You'll sow seed and you will see the the seed that you sow multiplied over and over again. Amen. So I want to share with you just a quick presentation right now. And generosity. Let's go with the uh, presentation, please. Joy Generosity 2019. Next slide. Oh, we have problems. Houston. (laughs) Let's read that together. Generosity is a fruit of God's grace and a product of a transformed heart. It flows from an understanding that all we have is not ours to possess. It is to be shared with others for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I want to say right now, very quickly, I want to thank God for all of the faithful people in this church that have given, not for weeks, years, and even decades. I want to say thank you to every one of you for any past giving that you've done, any current giving that you will do, and any future giving that you will do. Any past service, current service, and future service. Without you, this church is empty and the vision goes unfulfilled. But when we have a team together, together experiencing a miracle, together experiencing a ministry, there is no good thing God will withhold from us. And there is nothing impossible with our God. Everything that he puts in our heart, say it with me, it can be done for the glory of God. Let's look at the next slide. Of course, a generous soul stems from a grateful heart. Out of gratefulness, the heart grows. Let's take a look at the next one. So we are a generous church. Here's some of the ministries, some of the areas that we've been generous in this past year. We've given over to 20 ministries. Of course, you know about the Paradise Fire Relief. We gave toward that. Caminetti Ministries, they have a great ministry over in Australia, Rama, Australia. City Team Oakland, given into the men's ministry there. That's local. And then, of course, Keith Moore Ministries, Faith Life Church. We've sown some good seed there. And then Hope for the Heart. That's a feeding place over here in Hayward. Joe Hernandez Ministries, who has a ministry in Dubai. Praise the Lord. In the Middle East. Wonderful ministry. Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Raymond, Nigeria. Samaritan's Purse for Hurricane Dorian. Tony Cook Ministries, and then Uttermost Ministries for Samoa Rama, And that's just a handful of the ministries that we have supported already this year. Let's go to the next slide. So let me give you a quick uh, update on our street sign and project update. Praise the Lord. Let's move. So here we have uh, some of the work that's been done to get our sign in. I talked to someone the other day, 
And I'm guesstimating that the amount of money that we have saved by doing the work voluntary for electrical is somewhere in the neighborhood of $28,000 and $35,000. Isn't that good? That's really good. Praise God. And we were thinking that we needed to replace all of the lights, you know, before our park and ride things begins to take place. But it looks like we're not going to have to replace any of them. And so that's another 22000 So, I mean, all in all, we could be saving close to fifty grand. Isn't that good? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. And uh, the person has just sewed very diligently. So that kind of gives you... <laughs> there's some wires and different things, but a lot of work went into that. Let's look at the next slide. And uh, they went over and they, uh, they took some pictures. And you see those two screens there? Those are the screens. And they're going to go like this. One's going to face... As you come this way, it's going to face that way. And as you go this way, it's going to face this way. And uh, there's the top of it, which is Heart of the Bay Christian Center. He's in the process now of having to deal with the city. How many of you know cities are a blessing? <laughs> cities are a blessing. And we bless the city of Hayward in the name of Jesus, right? And, uh, and so... And so he found out that uh, they needed to do an engineer study to make sure the sign wouldn't blow away. You know, it's a good thing once you put a sign in that it doesn't blow away. I guess so. And so he's doing that right now. And they're guesstimating, I think, Brian, probably mid-December before the sign will be actually put in. But that's kind of a quick update on that. And let me give you an update on the park and ride. Uh, I called the city on Monday and said, we'll have an answer for you by Friday. I called and I didn't uh, get anyone on the phone. So we're still processing that. How many of you are thanking God for that in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. All right, let's take a, take a look at the next one. Wanted to give you that update. So our website this past year has been renewed. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's a beautiful website. You can get all the series and all the teaching on Subsplash there. Our church app has been updated. Uh, our new website was launched in March of 2019. We've had uh, 14,000 sessions from 59 countries there. Our audio has had 50,000 visits from 50 countries. Our video has had about 23,000 visits within the U.S. and outside the U.S. And our YouTube channel has had 9.3 thousand. Amen. Sessions. That's good news. So we're reaching out, right? All right. And then our new church app launched in August of 2019. 410 downloads. Uh, almost 3,000 launches and about 28,500 impressions seen on app stores. Let's go to the next one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So the joy of generosity goal. Let's take a look at what our goal is right now. I don't know. Is that slow or is that me? Okay. All right. So our goal from December 1st through December 31st is $425,000. Amen. Let's move on to the next one. All funds received. Now, this is not including today. Between December 1st and December 31st for the general fund and building funds will help us meet our budget for 2019, which includes our building payment and will also enable us to give to various ministries and causes. Um, I related to you by letter that our giving was 5% down thus far this year. And that can be significant over a period of months. 
And we've had to uh, pay about $334,000 out of the general fund uh, so that we are, we're able to make our mortgage payment. We're current on our mortgage payments. So what we've done is we've taken money out of reserve and basically have ex- expended that. And so we need to get caught up. Uh, we need not only to, to receive that amount of money for our uh, catch-up, but also for our budget of uh, December and our building payment as well. Let's take a look at the next one. Wow. All right. Some of the ministries that we're going to be able to sow into are Joe Hernandez, mission projects such as Mutual Faith, Hope for the Heart, National International Ministries, City Team Oakland, Joe Cack Ministries in the Philippines, Uttermost Witness in Samoa, that's Raymond, Nigeria. Then how many remember Ron and Annette Thiessen were here the other day? Of course, they weren't in the 9 a.m. service, uh, but they were here, and we're going to sow a good seed to them for equipment for Bible schools on the Amazon. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. You know, our declaration of faith is that our budget is met for 2019, and we're going to end the year with more than enough. Brenda and I are praying. We're going to sow a significant seed, amen, our finances in this season. And we're just asking you to pray and believe with us and consider what your part may be. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's take a look at the last one here. So all funds received over and above our goal will go toward general and or building fund. And I think we've got one more, don't we? Okay. So let me just say this. All funds received between December 1st and 31st for the general and building funds will help us to reach our budget for 2019, which includes our building payment. It will also help us to fulfill our liquidity covenant with our lender and to give to various ministries and causes. Amen? Let's just lift our hands and thank Him that every need is met. Every bill is paid for the glory of God. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's right. And we're not looking to you, we're looking to God, right? And you know, the, the great thing about it is we've got assistance. We've got assistance. No, I'm not talking about, you know, from the camp that I'm ordained with. The Hagans aren't going to send us $425,000, you know. But we have heaven's help. What do you mean we have heaven's help? Well, what I mean is what Hebrews, the first chapter in the 14th verse says. Now, listen very carefully these last few moments of the service, because this will fit you in your particular situation as well as it fits the church. In Hebrews, the first chapter, and notice with me in verse 14, Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Does anyone know what ministering spirits are? Ministering spirits are angels, right? And God has assigned angels to you. And not only that, but God has assigned angels to this church. There's not only angels that protect, but there are angels that are released on our behalf to do great things for you individually and for the church corporately. Notice this with me. Are they not all ministering spirits who have been sent forth to minister for them who shall be what? Heirs of salvation. 
as an heir of salvation, we are well positioned for the angels of the Lord not to minister to us, but to minister for us. For us means on our behalf. Now, in Psalm 103, verse 19 and 20, I want you to look back there, if you will, the 103rd Psalm and verse 19. It says, The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and what does his kingdom do? His kingdom rules over all. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his what? You his angels that number one, excel in strength. Are your angels wimpy? Are your angels strong? I was in a prayer meeting, maybe had been born again, maybe three months. I was in a prayer meeting in Calvin Plumley's basement in Minnesota, and Jim Caseman's daughter, her eyes opened up in the spirit, and she saw a huge angel just standing right by me. I said, what did he look like? She said, he looked like Mr. Clean. Well, now Mr. Clean is a, is a silver senior. But back then, Mr. Clean, I mean, he was like Charles Atlas, right? And so, they're strong. I said, they're strong. Not only are they strong, but they also do what they're commanded to do. You and I are not to worship angels. We are to speak God's word and angels are to go on our behalf, sent forth to do what is spoken. They do his commandments. Read the rest with me. Hearkening. You can do a little better than that. Read it again. Hearkening to the voice of his word. Not just in his mouth, but his word in your mouth. God will put a rhema word in your heart. And when you release it out of your mouth, the angels can go to work on your behalf. Years ago, when Dad Hagen had just left the pastorate, he'd pastored for 12 years. And he had just left the pastorate and went on to be an itinerant in field ministry. And all of a sudden, his finances just drained away. And he went before the Lord and he said, Lord, what's going on? He says, I obeyed you. You told me to go out and leave the church and go out into itinerant ministry. What's going on? I obeyed you. And the Lord said, you obeyed me all right, but you weren't very willing. You know, the Bible says, if you be willing... And obedient. You're going to eat the good of the land. Brother Hagin says, I got willing in a hurry. He said, I got, I got willing in a hurry. And then he told Dad Hagin, our spiritual dad, don't pray about money the way you've been praying about it. As a matter of fact, don't pray about money anymore at all. Here's what you do. You claim what you need. And he needed about $150 a week in those days to make it. And he'd go to churches and he wouldn't tell them 
what he was believing God for because if he did, the pastors would fall out. And he'd tell the pastors, now guys, don't try to work anything up, just pass the plate. Don't take any pledge offerings, just pass the plate. Here's what the Lord told him. He says, you claim what you need. What he needed was $150 a week. So he stood up boldly, all by himself. I claim $150 a week to meet my budget for this week in the name of Jesus. And then the Lord said, now you tell the devil to take his hands off your money. See, the cattle of a thousand hills is his. The gold and the silver are his. If they're his, they're ours. Because we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So the one that interferes with our finances and the one that interferes with your finances is not God, it is the enemy. Now you bind him and you tell him to take his hands off your money. So he did that. And then the Lord said to him, and then now you say, ministering spirits, go and cause the money to come. Somebody said, I've never heard any such thing. Ministering spirits can influence people. Just like demonic spirits can influence people. Believe me, I know. I was influenced by a truckload of them before I came to Christ. In a bad way. Well, if evil spirits can influence people in a bad way, God's ministering spirits, who are sent forth to minister for the heirs of salvation, can influence people in a good way. Amen. So what we want to do in reaching this goal, we want to get the supernatural involved. We don't want to just sit up here and hype it. We don't want to just stand up and say, oh, thank you, Lord. Every need is met, every bill is paid. No, we want to take authority over the devil. We want to claim what we need. So stand up, everybody. Are you ready? Now, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't buy into this, if you can't do it, just, just, just stay neutral. Amen? Don't be critical, just stay neutral. You do not want to be critical, but just stay neutral. But if you can believe with us, I want everyone to raise their hand right now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say it with me. Heavenly Father, we as a church, we as believers and non-doubters, we claim at least $425,000 to come into Heart of the Bay by the end of December 31st. In the name of Jesus, we claim it. Now, devil, Satan, you and all of your cohorts, we bind you now. Take your stinking, filthy, dirty hands off of our money now in the name of Jesus. Now, raise one hand toward the Lord and say this with me. Now, ministering spirits, angels of the Lord, go now. We release you. Go now. 
and cause the money to come. Oh, let's shout. Amen. Glory to God. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you what happens in a church like this is generosity creates an undeniable momentum. It sets in motion the law of seed time and harvest. When gifts are given and seeds are planted, I prophesy over you returns are going to come. I declare we have a church full of generous givers. That means there's going to be multiple returns, blessings, and breakthroughs. So I encourage you to get involved, to serve, and to become generous. Can we all grow in generosity? You better believe we can.